Growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit, adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. Joe Cardona, another NFL guy, probably in you know, arguably the, the most successful NFL guy on the podcast today. Um, pretty cool stuff. Navy football, 14 senior, class of 2015 from El Cajon, California. Um, and an alum of the Granite Hills High School out there. And I want to bring this up because I think it's important is you were a two-sport athlete. Played lacrosse as well, right? Yeah lacrosse player in high school that was uh that was probably my, my more of my love than than football but wasn't taking me to the naval academy gotcha um how tall are you uh six two six two yeah the tall lax guys typically stand out if they got some athleticism in them of any any sort so um that makes sense um you're currently split serving with the navy and um, probably your primary profession, of course, uh, in the NFL with the New England Patriots as a long snapper. Um, you are a fifth round draft pick, right? I'm just, just yeah, double checking yeah. my facts, make sure I got it right. So we're, we're tracking, we're, we're in the right, we're, we got the right facts so far. Nice. Um, in your spare time, working on investing and angel investing and venture investing real quick because i had to look that up and, and look at the difference between the two what does that mean those two different types of investing i mean they're similar ultimately um i think by virtue of being in the boston area i've been really lucky because it is it is kind of one of the venture capital um hubs i would suppose uh, so for me, I've just gotten the opportunity to be exposed to, you know, a lot of startups and, and up and coming companies. And, uh, you know, it's, and it's interesting to me just because it's all, it, it's like team building. You look around, you see what a company's doing, you see their product, you see their team. And, uh, you know, it's like, if you like it, you go for it. And if not, like you pass on it. And I think it's, it's one of those things that it's just, it's been fun you know, looking at and having some situational awareness on where trends are going, big picture, I suppose. Yeah. For me, as I try and relate to that, I think of interviewing. When I interview folks, I interview this, you know, my, mine are individuals, yours are companies. <laughs> but yeah, no, huge, right? Um, so uh, don't want to like pull out any proprietary stuff, but who are you investing with? Who, who are your go-tos right now? What are the up and coming startups that you think that people need to know about? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in this defense tech space. Um, uh, and, and a few, I, I think if you have any kind of pulse on 
what's going on in the world and and where our defense space has gotten us um you're seeing kind of the, a shift from these big legacy uh defense contractors your boeing your your northrops and and the like and a shift to smaller companies that are doing re- really high speed stuff so for me smaller company high speed gotcha yeah for me there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff going on in that space and i think just defense wise we probably need to take a lot more of a look at it gotcha cool we're you ready to get into some memories i got a lot of memories let's do it man you got a lot of people that love you a lot of people around the boston area a lot of your uh, inner circle joe worth john northern uh obu zoma i hope i said that right um pablo beltran and tenor fleming your roommate in, in college. So Joe Worth, he said you were freakishly strong in the weight room. And you always had this like off the wall workout that you were doing, something you were working on. Um, and once you were doing this like super setting of banded dips with a crazy medicine ball launch uh, up to a bench press type of rep um, that you knew all the reasons why because you did some research around it and the benefits of that workout. And those guys are like, what the heck is this guy doing? But then after the explanation was, was given, they, they all started doing it with you. They followed it. Right. So you remember that workout? Like what, what were you targeting when you were doing that workout? I got yeah. I mean, I think, you know, as good as like we had it with, with our strength staff at Navy, uh, you know, I was, I, I think I'm just this guy that like I I have to push for that like next level of like I always feel like I'm a step behind and I need to find something. So I think I was I was trying to just build some explosive strength. I mean I was looking at I was looking at you know the potential of trying to play in the NFL. So it was like how do I how do I differentiate myself? And I think functional explosive strength was like my was all I was going for. I was really focused on it and, and all that research I did, I probably could have spent a little more time studying, uh, you know, the Academy stuff and studying my schoolwork. But, uh, that to be said, I, uh, I did get a little stronger. Um, well, don't, I, don't, don't let that get to you because, uh, that workout probably paid off. So, <laughs> and we'll get to that, but yeah, pretty cool. Um, Let's see. Uh, you were like the first, you know, senior class 14. I always refer back to the football class because that, you know, synchronizes the seasons for me in my head. Uh, first 14 guy that hit the field with some playing time. Um, that you epitomize the Nehemiah, do your job, just do your job. And perfecting your craft with that. So, uh, John Northern, um, he remembers his attempts in multiple, multiple reps trying to block punts. You know, I think he said, uh, you know, Grantham running special teams. And I was like, hey, block this punt, block this punt. And they had like multiple people trying to do it. Uh, he, he being one of them that no one could ever get there um, in time because you were just slinging that ball back so fast, so quick. And, uh, you know, 
that that's when everybody else on the team's like looking at the at, in special teams. And I remember this because I remember special teams being a big opportunity for us in my years. Um, you're like, okay, I can focus on what I need to do and not worry about these other other things. So I, I really appreciated that story and uh, that John shared there. Um, he said that, you know, you like um, John Chan, which I haven't released yet, but I will hopefully by next Thursday, uh, are sort of a glue of the group, uh, of that inner circle that you guys hung out with, that you found the time, you know, especially with your, your current crazy schedule, um, to, to get your inner circle of the brotherhood together in the Boston area, um, that you're humble, hardworking with a lot of class. So that's cool. That. Uh, being the glue is, is important on so many different fronts. How you do that is, is important as well. Um, but that's a good example of your character uh, to me. So not yeah. knowing you, like, I, I don't think I've ever talked to you, Joe. So, <laughs> no, well, I, I appreciate that. I mean, it's one thing that that's been really odd. Um, and I think it's been a unique experience for me comparatively to the rest of the brotherhood guys is right after graduation, you know, I got sent up to Foxborough and as great as that is, I, I didn't have that same experience of graduating. We leave the Academy and then everybody goes to TBS together or everybody goes to San Diego or Norfolk or, you know, wherever they're going or Pensacola, um, for that follow on training and everybody's still together, you know, you're still with all your classmates, you're still with all your teammates. My experience is that I was thrown into, into new England, basically alone. Like, yeah, I had a, a built-in set of friends, you know, and, and with the Patriots, a new team. Um, but I did miss, uh, what we had, the brotherhood, um, uh, and, and really kind of that, that mentality that you have as a Navy football player when you when you go out there and you're just willing to do anything for for the guy next to you and um, you know that's different and and cultivating that in Boston has always been a goal of mine and it's good now as we get more more people up in the area going through you know schooling and whatnot so uh, and now that Army Navy's coming up too so it's a uh, we're gonna have a whole uh, a, a beer contingent so we're getting prepared. <laughs> nice. Um, next one. Uh, Obi Uzoma um, said you guys were stationed together, or are stationed together, past two years. Uh, you supported him through running his, the Boston Marathon just like a month ago. Um, that you helped promote his fundraising for that event on social media and ended up meeting him at the finish line. With, with some tickets to the Pats game and uh, an out to eat with some of the players. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No, I I mean, Obi was my year, you know, that, that 14 football class, 15, you know, so to have somebody up there, you know, whatever I can do to support and, 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 and be there for, you know, somebody in the area and, and to help him out. I mean, he was one of my good friends at the academy, so it kind of was – I was stoked when I found out he was moving up to the area. So it's been good having him around. Awesome. All right. So, uh, onto the final two. One is, uh, uh, your customer, 
uh, Pablo Beltran. So on the receiving end uh, of your specialty, uh, your customer, the puncher. Um, that you guys used to go to spirit or to uh, steerage four times a week, maybe for some chicken strips. Um, great dude, hard worker. That you had the biggest butt. Um, that you got disqualified from aviation due to your sitting height, one, uh, and two, that your butt was too large for the cockpit. One of those is true. What, uh, one I can't, true. can't confirm which one, but, um, got it. Yeah, no doubt. No, no surprise. Follow's got a little riff on me. It's good. <laughs> Keep me humble. Nice. I know you guys are, uh, you know, that's, that's a special, special connection. You know, you, you work a lot during, you know, practice, together because that's you know one of the biggest key plays of the game it can totally turn around the game it's a clutch you know it's a clutch very so much of a clutch play um that people are dedicated to that like yourself um because it can totally turn around from a you know a w to a loss real quick yeah all right last one yeah oh go ahead oh no i'm just saying that like yeah, that relationship that between a in that operation, like it has to be perfect. And like that, I don't think you talk about it with other players or even coaches, even special teams coaches, and they look at you like they have no clue when you're talking about the intricacies of like timing and everything. It's so it's so minute, but when you speak the language and you do it, um, you know, there really isn't a position and, a, and an operation like that in, in the game. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, small sh- short story for me. When I was in high school, I used to punt as well. And, I, you know, some days it would be like a killer punt. Uh, but most times, well, I don't want to say most times, uh, in my mind, it, I remember most times because it was the worst days. Uh, I'd kick it straight up in the air and come right back. And I actually caught my own punt one time. So, um, special teams, the critical reps, the, the stress of the importance of the play is definitely – um, something that is to be heard. So we're hearing that today. All right. Uh, your roommate, Tanner Fleming. Uh, you guys used to long snap in the, uh, narrow hallways of Bancroft hall, the Naval Academy together back and forth. Um, and I thought this, this one was interesting for me. You had a nightly routine at 8 PM. There was a shake, a, uh, a shake made of Greek yogurt. Two chocolate milks, flaxseed, mass gainer protein, um, and almost a whole jar of peanut butter, if not the full jar of peanut butter, uh, and a handful of baby spinach. Was that the key to your success? Because I'll start making those tomorrow. I'm not sure any of us can afford to drink mass gainer anymore, to be completely honest. That was, I I needed to gain, like, in that, in that, in that time time frame, I needed to gain probably 15 or 20 pounds of muscle. Um, this is like, you know, after my junior year going into my senior year. And I was like, all right, yeah. I need to I need to gain this weight. Let's do it. And Tanner was a center on the team. So, of course, it, it worked out that he could gain a little bit of weight, too. Um, we both could have afforded it. But, yeah, he it was it was ritual. And, um, you know, routine is important, I guess. And then. 
you know, whether it was the shakes or everything else, who knows, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give them credit that those things were thick and, and they probably helped me sleep better night, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue into the last comment here. Um, when he had to cut weight his senior year, cause he's no lineman going into the Navy. He had to cut weight, like all the, the linemen, defensive linemen, offensive linemen, they got to cut that weight down, run a good, you know, PFT, uh, PRT. Um, but you had to gain weight. So you'd leave Takis, uh, you'd leave pizza out uh, in front of him. A uh, little bit of poking him in the ribs, I think, right there. Um, during that process. Just a few jabs, you know. Just a few it's, jabs. Not too. It's all in all in competitiveness. Um, he was. <laughs> I call that a zinger, because he was going just straight spinach, chicken, and hot sauce. That's all he ate. So more so, I was just tired of he hearing him. Uh, tired of hearing him brag about you know maybe maybe he's complaining uh, about his uh, his diet, and I was like, you know what, like all there were a few days yeah, tough him. Toughen him up a little bit. Yeah, he was getting ready for mental toughness. So you know, he was he had to nice. toughen up a little bit, right? That's a good story when an offensive or defensive lineman goes into the Marine Corps, for sure. Uh, yeah. So those are the memories. Um, without further ado, give us your story, and I'll definitely ask a lot of questions along the way. On the way, um, if I interrupt you, I apologize. No, well, I got lots of questions for sure. Um, yeah, no, so I grew up in Elgon, California, blue collar suburb of San Diego. Um, definitely not the San Diego everybody thinks of, but luckily we got a, uh, an audience here that I'd assume has, has heard of the East County of San Diego and knows it's a little different. Um, so didn't grow up surfing or anything like that. My, my outlets were always sports. Um, you know, I grew up in a military family and my dad, uh, when he was able to be around, um, and he wasn't going out on ships doing, uh, you know, working with Navy and working with the Navy. Um, he'd, uh, he was always a coach, um, you know, and, and I was very fortunate to have, you know, both parents that, that cared about my interests and, um, that, that facilitated, as best they could. And, uh, you know, like I said, came from a military family. So I was fortunate enough to grow up around, um, the Navy and the Marine Corps there and get What's a What's your dad doing in the Navy? So he was an avionics, uh, okay. Avionics. Yeah. So he, uh, so he did seven active 17 reserve. And then, um, when he was done on active duty, he, uh, you know, he took that government service job doing the same thing. So my whole life he's worked yeah. at, sailors and marines you have any influence on your uh passion to try and go aviation probably um i would say he, he didn't really it wasn't anything like really spoken of it was just a matter of you know growing up you know when when he'd take me to work you know obviously we'd do the hearing the stories you know, going to his shop but we were around the flight line we were you know work he was talking about airplanes talking about you know f-18s and you know, we're around Miramar and we're seeing F-18s fly by. Like, I think that's kind of what probably influenced me, whether I was outspoken or not about it. Just, I think it was something that I always wanted to do. 
Uh, so I was fortunate awesome. enough to grow up around it. Uh, cool. And uh, yeah, when yeah, I went to high school as a decently average, um, decently average football player. Uh, my my dad always jokes around because you know I played all kinds of positions growing up and did everything um, on the field, but he uh, he taught me how to long snap. You know, we'd show up 20 minutes early to my Pop Warner practices, and he'd work on different skills with me, and one of them was snapping, and I kind of took to it. And he always said he didn't think I'd ever be good enough to play high school football, so he'd uh, so he'd teach, so he'd give me a skill that I could always be on the field. He didn't really say that's that. why you're that's why you're poking it in the ribs. I bet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but you know, that was he saw that and saying, "Hey, you know, you will always have a spot on." you know, on the team, you always have a position to play if you can learn this skill. Uh, so, you know, went to high school, played a lot, uh, played a lot of football. Um, we we're really not a very good team. Uh, the only, the only, uh, recruited athletes were myself and then my kicker who ended up going to, uh, going to use maps, the, uh, West points prep school. Uh, Imagine that you and the kicker. Hmm. We weren't a very good team, like I said. Really? If you, if the only two players. Well, no, no, we're not. So w- when I said that, I was thinking you and the kicker weren't. Oh, we were good. good yeah, we uh, were overall, good. Overall, okay. yeah, had some chemistry. Sure. Yeah, and and you know, overall in San Diego, it's like there's so many uh, specialists that come out of there. I mean, we had two, two there at Navy that are both from San Diego, two kickers. Like it's just the weather's always nice, so people can always go outside and do it. And you work on these skills, and yes. um, you know, I I kind of grew up going to these like I, I just latch onto these kicker kicker coaches, and I just tell them like, hey, if you need a if you need a snapper for um, if you need a snapper for whoever you have, any punters, I'll come out and get work. Uh, and and I don't know if I just enjoyed repping it and enjoyed being good at it. Um, but I, I, I did a lot, did a lot leading up to, to my opportunity. Um, you know, and as, uh, I would probably say I wouldn't have, I would have been a fringe nap student, um, had I applied and I've, and I was definitely looking up, you know, whether it's ROTC scholarships or, you know, different ways to kind of get college paid for in case I didn't get a full ride. Um you know, really when the Naval Academy offered it and, and that worked out that it was a no brainer. I mean, I don't even think I solicited another offer. Um, did you have any other officers? No, not officially. Um, yeah, I had a few places that were, Hey, if, if we want to continue this, like you'd probably be a preferred walk on this gotcha. and that, but you know, even like, you know, I'll still, still rip on the San Diego state coaches. If I ever come across them and be like, I was, I was 10 minutes away. You guys, didn't want to didn't want to recruit me but um yeah no i was all i wanted to do was go to the naval academy um and then the opportunity to go to naps came and it was a no-brainer nice um so yeah cool that's the uh, next yeah naps is next uh the prep school so i heard i got called out by uh my guy austin milky um you know to make sure i get it came on the show um and but a good story about austin is 
he was TAD up at Naps when I was when I was a student, and he was actually the person that picked me up from the airport uh, when I flew awesome. in for uh, for Indoc, and you know Indoc started the next day. And he had me. I, I got I slept on his couch the night before, whatever. And um, I remember he picked me up from the airport. He's like, he's like, yeah, you flew all day. You you know you want anything to eat? Blah blah. blah. I was like, oh yeah, let's just go to a taco shop or something, you know, whatever. I didn't realize like being the San Diego kid that never left that like, that wasn't a normal experience, you know, getting, just getting a California burrito at any time of the day. Um, so needless to say, Newport Rhode Island was a rude awakening for me. Uh, it was, uh, the military stuff I was somewhat prepared for, uh, just coming from a military family. But I think the, you know, whether it was, just the dreary, you know, 300 person, uh, you know, naps battalion and the, whether it was a gunnery sergeant that made my life hell, um, or, you know, the, the dog days of winter, um, up here in Newport, it was, uh, it was something that I didn't really enjoy. Not gonna lie. I, uh, Newport was and naps was, a generally not that great experience, but, you know, you look back and you're really happy you did it. So, so I got to inject a question here because, um, it looks like you went back to naps. Yeah. Uh, as an OIC there for a while. Like, so after all that experience, what did you take back as the guy in charge of that crew? How did you inject some energy or how'd that work for you? Yeah, it's funny looking back. I'll never forget. It was what uh, I mean. This is Naps graduation week this week for these guys. But I always say like May thirteenth, two thousand eleven was one of the best days of my life because I was done with the Naval Academy and never had to come or Naval Academy prep school. I never had to come back to Newport. And of course, you know, I get drafted. They call me and they're like, "Oh, you spent a year in Newport, Rhode Island. Like, how'd you like it?" And I, of course, I lied out of my teeth. I was like, "Oh, I really fell in love with the area. You know, it's classic New England. <laughs> it's the best. You know, everything." I was just, but in my heart, like, yeah, uh, it was it was tough. Um, but when I went back, I think I, 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 I kind of kept that mentality of like, "All right, I know how bad it can be. I know like." staffs change um i know that you know they're they may have a different set of of general guidelines on how you know their day-to-day you know battle rhythms going there but ultimately like i can make it i can make it better and more enjoyable uh for you know most of them and and show them that hey this isn't this isn't the naval academy it's not what you what you thought you were getting ready to do but it's a place where you can maximize your time and you can, you know, develop personally, professionally as an athlete, all that stuff. And you can grow up. And like, I, I, I just kind of brought that to them and, and, and sure. try to make that my, my goal is helping them along the way. You know, the politician Tony would say good sales pitch, but the realistic Tony would be like, that's true. You're going to go through stuff like this all the time. You can go through some crap. Like, you're you're out of the house now right yeah um, it'll teach you so much but uh yeah 100 percent, right track yeah um no i know so, that yeah that was my rookie year when i was up there um which was which was crazy um i i guess we kind of skipped over the uh 
Mike. Yeah. So let me take you back. All right. So I injected a question and probably threw you off track. Uh, you were talking about, you know, while you were at NAPS, um, the stuff you were going through, the struggles. And then I injected that question about like when you went back. So um, NAPS, how'd you finish out NAPS? Um, finished out, finished out well. I mean, I think I, when I look at my time there, uh, I think my, my struggle was not being put in a great situation and, and just trying to make the most of it, but, but having essentially forced on me, um, and I still think about it to this day, still game plan it. Like, could things have gone better? Could me and that gunning have gotten better, gotten along a little bit better? Like I tried, um, but <laughs> I mean, you ask anybody in my naps class and they'll, all, they'll all say like, you know, our, our gunny was on our, on us all the time, constantly. Dude. We had room inspections okay. every day. Oh, yeah. I think by Lots liberty, we secured most weekends. Lots of gunnies here. Um, just like every single barrel of apples, you're going to find a, you know, a bad one, a good one, a great one. And most of them are just kind of, you know, in that middle pack. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I think looking back, I can honestly say like this guy, he knew that, you know, he, he needed to develop each individual. And, and for me, I, I suppose maybe I required a little extra attention. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of, um, but we had our, our three to five watches and that was like 3am to 5am and he'd show up at like three 30 in the morning. So you had to be there. You had to be up there cleaning and like doing stuff. I mean, it was, you look back and you're like, all right, I took a, I had a three to five watch and then I had a chemistry test the next day. And of course I didn't do great on the chemistry test, but like, what was I going to do? Like go and say it was because I had watched last night. Like that's, yeah. you know, you, you, you run out of excuses fast. Um, flip side of that is maybe you saw something in you. Never know. I have a, I have a couple sure. good, good stories. One, um, <laughs> I was, I was SIQ one day and I was pretty sick. Um, not gonna lie. This was, uh, you know, real SIQ. I, I marched down and, and, in the morning and got my, got my chit. They, they, they were happy to send me back to my room and say, get out of medical. Um, cause I was sitting there sleeping. Uh, and, uh, every day you had to have your wall locker done. You know, the whole room had to be spick and span, like good to go. Um, you know, swept mop like every single day, like not exaggerating. You know, this was, this was this guy's MO. Like he did room inspections every day. So he comes in, he sees me in bed and he's like, I oh, SIQ today on Cardona. I was like, yes, gutter sergeant, you'll lay in there. And he's like, oh, because your so wall locker laying, laying at attention. Yeah. And he's like, your wall locker's a mess. And he just starts tearing it apart while I'm in bed. Uh, what? Uh, and I'm just hearing him just throwing shit on the floor. And I'm like, and he's, and he's just yelling to me. He's like, stay asleep. I got her sergeant sleeping. You know, he's like, he just kept repeating, stay asleep. And I'm just sitting there just miserable knowing my locker's getting torched, you know? And then he tells the whole group after he's like, hey, Cardona is sick in quarters. Doesn't mean you're supposed to be sick and nasty. Like I was, it was just absurd. Like memory burned into my, do you remember what his name was? Yeah. Gunnery Sergeant Ford. Um, nice. 
first sergeant. I think he moved up to first sergeant, and uh, I don't know where he went after that. But um, I I can appreciate it because he gave me a few good stories, and uh, you know I I always have a laugh when I talk about it. And it's it's a good memory overall. Uh, sucked nice. to be in for sure though. Gotcha. All right, so that was Naps. Anything else about Naps you want to talk about before we move on? Yeah, I mean, getting to do that whole program and looking back at it, I mean, you look at some of the teammates we had there and the year we went through. Uh, you know, one thing I really did notice after is that, weirdly enough, the majority of guys that come out of Navy and end up getting a chance in the NFL, like I know it's a, it's a, it's a smaller group, whatever most of them went to naps and um whether it's me and paul uh my year um i mean i know eric's probably listening to this but i'm, I'm pretty sure eric went to naps not 100 percent sure i know he came back and coached the naps um but then uh when i was when i was a, an ensign there and doing that stuff um both malcolm perry and uh alohi gilman who ended up leaving both of them were at the prep school uh, as students. So awesome. uh, I look back and I say like that year of development was, was important. And obviously like whether that's physical or whether it's just emotionally, mentally, whatever it is, I think it, it, it benefited me for sure. Gotcha. I would agree. Uh, personally. So cool. Um, you do the naps thing. Had a good time, grew up, and then you get to the Naval Academy. Uh, tell us more about the story at the Naval Academy. Yeah, um, you know, I I I think about Annapolis, uh, you know, and they always, you know, you always talk about it. You know, a, not not a great place to be at, but a great place to be from. You know, you, you throw around a lot of these uh, kind of cliche things, but. Annapolis to me was was my biggest goal growing up. Uh, you know, for me to step on that campus, it meant a lot. Uh, and you know, for the most part, I think I I, I tried to live up to that. Um, but I think what I learned there is that there's a it is a wide array of people that are there, and ultimately, you have to when you when you're on a team and you're and you're finding your way to fit in um you know i found a way that i i was a little bit i felt like an imposter initially because i was playing early i was traveling um you know as a freshman and on the field uh, you know and really i think my freshman year there were only like four of us and two of us were you know it was me and pablo that were playing so early so I don't know if we, we necessarily had our place. And I think we were trying to live up to the seniors and trying to be cool in their eyes. Um, you know, so I think that took us down a few different paths, um, a few imperfect paths. Uh, but that's, that's life. Um, you know, my freshman year, I got in a little bit of trouble, a little underage drinking. Um, so I got to carry that badge around, uh, where you get in about as much trouble as you can that you can't get in trouble again but you got in enough trouble that, you know, it's, or you didn't get enough trouble that it was cool. You know, you didn't get the black end sweater or anything like that. You didn't have any cool stories. You just like, 
had to watch your back the rest of the time you're at the academy. Uh, yep. So I, uh, I, I kind of had to grow up, um, you know, and that it was really that summer though, that I was on restriction that I look back and I, I, I was around a lot of football players, you know, by happenstance, we were all on restriction that year, that summer. So, um, you know, I got to hang out with guys like, you know, Jabari, Tuani, and Bo Nelson, and, um, you know, Trevez Bush and these guys that were great football players and great people. Um, and they, you know, made my time one enjoyable, like to be around them. Um, you know, we'd have like restricted league soccer games, like whereas all of us that were stuck on campus going out and playing soccer in the middle of the, and you know, at 8 PM after our last muster, it was just such a fun, enjoyable time that you look back and you're like, yeah, it would have been nice to be able to be like, oh, I'm going to go to the beach during, during the summer. But I look back and I'm like, well, what else would I have been doing? you know, during the week, like I was stuck on campus anyways, like might as well have been sitting there, you know, working out and doing all this stuff, uh, with my teammates. Uh, so restriction wasn't a bad experience. It was just, it was a good life lesson to be honest that, Hey, it turned some bad into good, you know, what your, your thoughts of what, you know, your enjoyable summer was, it doesn't matter. Like make the most of it. Um, you know, and enjoy that grind while you're in it. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> the, the restriction stuff was, was, was not that fun, but, um, you know, I think it tells the story of, of what the Academy is when you, you have to, you have to grow, you have to develop, you, you don't have a choice. Um, but like do it with your friends and like do it yep. as a group. Um, and, it's uh, always fun to put your back against the wall. Yeah. And no matter what it is, right? Like when your back's against the wall, you're going to figure it out. No, no doubt. I mean, I, there's a lot when, when you look back and you say like, all right, those experiences, um, you know, the toughest workouts we had, whether they were fourth quarters or these, these summer workouts that I can't even imagine doing at this point. Like I've been, I've stayed in football for, you know, eight years post-graduation and, I still think about some of those summer workouts and I'm like, how, how did we do that? Like, I, I, um, <laughs> you know, but you, you, you think of when you think about it, you're like, we were just a dedicated group and you're a college kids. So you're, you had endless energy and your recovery was like as easy as possible. Uh, gotcha. So what's the biggest, you know, difference between then and now for you looking back on it? Yeah. Looking back, I mean, when it comes to something like training and, and how you work out, everything becomes, uh, it's not about being tough anymore. Um, you know, you get to the NFL, it's like one, you'd like to think everybody's got a baseline of toughness. Now that's like our definition of toughness is completely different than what the rest of college football is. Let's be completely honest. Like I'm not saying these guys aren't tough. I mean, some of the, toughest people I've ever been around. Um, you know, I've all been NFL guys in a lot of ways. Um, uh, or not all, but, um, a lot of them have. And, uh, you know, what you see is that the toughness manifests really in like longevity in the NFL. There's no way to play a long time without being tough. 
Um, and you know, when I, when I think about the differences, it's like, well, the toughness is in, is in showing up and playing now, but back then, you know, you were trying to earn the stripes. You were trying to say, I am a Navy football player. I belong on this team. I belong with these guys. And yeah, like you had a high bar to pass. You had, you had to, to make it through those workouts and, and work hard and not, you know, not quit, touch the line, all those things like show up every day, ready to go. And, and whether you, whether you won the workout or not, whether you got every single, whether you maximized everything you could out of it, um, you know, like muscularly or whatever. And like your, and your fitness, the most important thing was just going and finishing. And in the NFL, it's like, I'm going to make sure I get every single tangible benefit from everything I'm doing uh, because I know I have to produce on the back end. So I can't yeah. just say, all right, today I'm going to run until I throw up because that's not going to help me. It'll help me toughness. Yeah. But when, when you were talking through all that, I was thinking, all right, the difference between stupid toughness and smart toughness. Hey, we need stupid toughness though. We need stupid tough guys <laughs> to play Navy football. I don't know how else to say it. Like, yeah, but like at the same time, when you're when you get to you know in, into your thirties, later thirties, middle thirties, um, um, stupid toughness just doesn't work. Yeah, it shows, right. there's, so, there's a, and I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, there are a few moments like playing special teams. At, you know, there's a reason why it's mostly young dudes. Playing special teams, there are some moments where it takes a little bit of stupid toughness. And because it's just, hey, survival, like I'm running 20 miles per hour and I'm going to run into somebody as hard as I can. And I don't have a choice. Like I have to do it. And it just takes a little bit of that stupid toughness. Whereas like the majority (laughs) of older players, like they don't, it's it's not something they want to do and it doesn't help them long, long term. But, um, I mean, there's some guys like, you know, I look at a guy like Danny Mandola and I'm like, that guy is one of the toughest people I know, without a doubt. Like, you know, we all, huh? Who's Danny Mandola? Danny Mandola. He was a wide receiver for us, um, played for a bunch of teams, played like 12 years in the NFL. When you talk about a, a five foot nine wide receiver who plays 12 years in the NFL, stupid tough comes to mind and that guy was stupid tough uh impressed to like we we know a lot of tough people in our and from our school and you know you know whether whether it's you know infantry guys or or navy seals or whoever i'd put danny up against any of us nice cool i asked because i i just didn't know the guy but uh, i'm sure a lot of people do all right where we leave off? We left off, I think, on summer restriction. Oh yeah, had a good time during the summer. What happened after that? Yeah, um, you know, I think after that it was getting my footing and and at the academy, getting my footing as a as a player, uh, you know, and kind of seeing where my role could go. Um, you know, ultimately is surviving academically. Um, and doing, doing that stuff. But, you know, there's, I'd say the next big event to me was, uh, actually 
the pre-commissioning physicals when I did find out my sitting height was a little too high, not my not my butt being too big, but um, my my clarifying. yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, yeah, so that was kind of the big moment, the big shift where it was like, all right, like what I came here to do um, to like fly jets. Yeah, I didn't really have any interest in other platforms. Like I just never thought, never thought about it. And I think when I got disqualified from jets that it was like, Oh, well, I guess maybe I could look at other stuff too. Um, so that kind of pushed me in that moment to say, what else is out there? Where do I fit in? Um, and that's when I started looking around college football, the teams were playing, you know, during that junior year and saying like, I, I'm, I'm I'm as talented, if not more talented than everybody we're playing at my position. Like I'm like, yeah, maybe I don't have the ideal size of an NFL guy, but like I could do this, um, you know, at the very least. Like, so then those, those things started clicking of like, all right, how do I get there? And you, you have that goal. And my goal was simply like get a chance one day to play in the NFL. Like I didn't have a, I didn't have an eight plus year career mind in mind or anything like that. I just wanted a chance. Like if I could have played or talking to Tanner, my roommate and being like, if I get one snap in the NFL, that'd be, that'd be good. Like I'll get a preseason game, get a snap. Like I've done it at the highest level. Um, but like something clicked in me was, all right, I can't do my first choice. Let me see what else I could do. And that set my sights on on football and and just preparing myself physically. I figured worst case scenario, I I'm a I'm 240 pounds, and I still can do basically anything in the Navy and Marine Corps. Um, I can still pass a PFT and a PRT and all that. I just gotta, you know, we'll 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 reassess, you know, when they tell me no. Um, yeah, and that led into those crazy workouts of. Hey, I got to gain 25 pounds of muscle. How am I going to do it in the most efficient way so that I'm continuing to stay explosive and I'm not just getting fat. Um, and I'm not, you know, just gaining stupid, stupid muscle that doesn't really work. I got to do things the right way. I started researching and, you know, it was actually the, the, the spring of my junior year when I, when we really kicked into high gear, we did the shakes and, um, one thing Tanner didn't tell you is that I went to bed every night at like eight thirty, nine o'clock. Like those were, Good that was you. my, that was my boundary. It was the worst possible thing I could have done for my grades. Um, terrible. <laughs> I, I mean, it was like the hardest. Well, it paid off. All right. Yeah. It was the hardest semester I had. Um, and I just absolutely nuked my, my GPA, but I, I got plenty of D's and I moved on with my life. Um, in those classes <laughs> and, um, but yeah, set myself up for my senior year, uh, played well. And then, um, you know, I look back and I look back at that group and, and certain memories we had, uh, that were really special. Um, and you know, I've played a ton of football since like, I, you know, but there are a few moments in games that really stand out to me. And one of them was one of my teammates, uh, Brendan Dudek. And, uh, he since, you know, become a Marsock guy and has a, you know, has some kids running around at home. So he's doing his thing. And I, and I, 
you probably wouldn't even remember if I brought it up. We were playing Texas State, and um, we go down on a punt, and the the I'm pretty sure I went to that game. Oh, there we go. Um, love it. Yeah, San Marcos, Texas. It's pretty cool. I think we won. Yeah. Pretty sure we won. My wife, yep, yeah, my wife went to that school, and we were down in Texas during the time, so we went to that. Yeah, no, it was cool. But my but he catches the ball. The returner catches the ball, beelines it for the sideline. And we all, you know, readjust, readjust angles. And right in front of me, you know, I see it happen. Like, basically, like, the dude, you know, he sees this guy, like, running at him, has an angle on him, and he just keeps going and gets obliterated. I end up having to, like, jump over them, you know, because it's just a mass of bodies. Um, you know, we end up pushing the guy out of bounds. And I go to the sideline. I'm like, Brendan, like, didn't you see that guy coming? And he's like, yeah, so I'm coming. I go, you didn't want to adjust or like play into him at all. He goes, what does it matter, man? We got to do what we got to do. And I just stuck in my head forever where it's like, got it. Like that's, that is Navy football. Like that, that to me was, you know, one of those moments that's burning my brain that like, I carry that with me in the NFL where it's like, yeah, like there's so many moments where I'm overmatched so many moments where like i know something isn't gonna feel good on the other end but like you gotta do you gotta do man <laughs> like there's nothing there's no escape in doing your job um and, and you know it's kind of that like don't be soft mentality that we all have um what's so. the hardest hit you've taken so far and by who I mean, there's been a couple moments. Um, I mean, most of the, the hard part is the big names, you know, I'm sure like, you know, there's been times where we had like JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney lined up in both a gaps. And I'm like, all right, which way are you going to send me? Because this is a bad matchup either way. End up going towards, you know, having to block JJ Watt. But like, there was a point where I got in front of him and then a punt. That's all you really got to do. You just got to get in front of them. Um, I say it's it, get in front and die slowly. Uh, he uh, he basically just like grabbed me and like peeked over my shoulder and just like it was that feeling of like this guy could do whatever he wants in this moment with me. Like it doesn't matter. Like my like I could fight all I want. It doesn't matter. Like I don't think I was even touching the guy. Uh, his reach was so long and so that was one you know a realization where you have. But then you know some of these times where you're just running downfield and. You know the, the the hits come and those are I always had this uh, this dude on the Dolphins uh, last name Fetty and he was like a defensive end type linebacker type you know he's probably a solid like two seventy five um, mm. athletic just a beast uh, and uh, he'd always rush the punt and then he was responsible for blocking me and. Uh, one time he released me and I thought I got away from him. I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's go. Like, let's go make this play. Get in the open field. It's me and Jarvis Landry. Bad matchup. Terrible matchup. Um, yeah, here's one of the most dynamic players in the NFL. Cuts once. And he, I thought he just, you know, I thought I had played my leverage, but like, whatever it is, I'm going to cut back and maybe make a tackle on this guy. Well, he was playing into a block that was coming from my other side and yeah it was uh middle of the field probably happened on like the 50 yard line you hear the you hear the the crowd the ooh, 
was like, all right, yep. welcome to the NFL. That's a good quote. I don't remember who said it. I heard it one time, but sometimes, you know, or most times, when it's too easy, there's a reason. Yeah. Right? And you you uh, messed around and found out on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, that was early. That was like my rookie year. Um, yeah, so you learn certain – there are certain places on the field where you don't want to be. And – um you know that was that's one of them where you're just in the open field and and they're yeah. dictating what you're doing. You know, getting let go by a beast type of player means something. So it sounds like. All right, uh, we kind of rabbit hold there. Um, let's see. Anything else from the Naval Academy before we move on to <laughs> serve selection into the how that split worked? Yeah. Um, yeah, at that point, uh, you know, when I'd kind of set my sights on away from aviation, my, you know, eventually was going Marine Corps. That was my, that was kind of the goal. That was what I was, uh, uh, that's what I did the summer training for, you know, went to MAGTAF with all the, with all the rest of us, all the football guys. Um, and uh yeah so i was set on going marines did everything that i needed to do to be a marine um and then uh got into service selection uh service selected marine corps got chosen for marine corps and it wasn't until that um spring you know i was going i got invited to the senior bowl got invited to the combine was everybody in the world was asking me what my situation was i didn't really know um you know and as teams got more serious like i just wanted answers kind of deal and uh sure yeah the, that's when you ask the questions and uh, you don't always get the answers you want um basically i i was told that um it sounded like i didn't want to be a marine and if i don't want to be a marine they don't want me and um yeah it wasn't the intention at all it was probably something that i'm you know, kind of carried with me. It was just like, all right, like some institutions, you, you know, you just, it's not right. Um, so I didn't get my chance there. They shipped me over to the Navy and, um, good decision. Good pivot. It was made for me. So I didn't, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't, can't well, say, I'm just saying, I mean, like, dude, it's pretty cool what you're doing. So don't let yeah. that tag along. You know, I sure uh, a little bit, but like, try not to. No, I, I, you know, when it's, I think the, the hard part was like, you know, you get denied the first thing you want to do career wise. And then you set your sights on something else and you start to see a part of that institution. You're like, you start to see yourself in it. And then next thing you know, that gets taken away too. And football wasn't by any means a guarantee. Like I was, I still had to to the stars still had to align um but at that point my my life was going from being a marine to being a swell and um you know i i hadn't done anything swell wise in a long time and you know it wasn't my first choice by any means um but yeah that was so that's what i graduated as graduated as a swell um and in that timing that's when everything kind of came together um the uh like did well at the combine did well at the senior bowl 
um, talk kind of continued, um, and I became a draftable prospect, which is rare as a long snapper and definitely rare at the Naval Academy. So we had no yeah. one who really like. Aren't you? Aren't you the only long snapper ever drafted? There's been a few since me. Um, few since. I think there yeah. may have been one First. like ten years before me. Um, okay. But like, they were always. It was always weird. Like you know, a one-off guy, and then ten years later, like you know somebody would come along and so that was me like i i was the first snapper drafted in 10 years or something like that and then i was and and i had teams laugh at me um when it was like all right well the navy basically like if i if i'm drafted i'm guaranteed a spot on the field like they'd they'd probably be more accommodating and people laughed at me they're like nobody's ever going to draft a snapper blah blah and lo and behold you know coach Belichick does and um you know it was it was actually an interesting meeting we uh he like texted me he's like hey Joe I'm in Annapolis like would love to meet with you while I'm here uh this was in April of of 2015 of that year and um yeah so he I remember I had to like ask permission to leave campus and like go meet with him because it was a Thursday um so I'm like out in town and he, he's like, oh, like meet me at a, uh, meet me at the bar uh, at the Marriott. And I was like, oh, I'll meet you at Puster's, I guess. Like I've never been there in the daylight, but I guess we'll we'll see what <laughs> Puster's is like on a Thursday afternoon. Um, the best risk you've ever taken in your life. Yeah, um, <laughs> no doubt. So he, uh, yeah, he basically told me that I was a draftable prospect, and he wanted to meet with. Uh, the highest ranking person in my situation. That was the quote that I'll never forget. And I was like, I don't know how to, I maybe I can get you in contact with the soup, like maybe. Um, so I had to push it forward, uh, you know, and, and he ended up meeting with the soup and telling him that it, he's going to draft me. And yeah, two weeks later, uh, I thought I'd get drafted in the fifth round or, or the sixth round or the seventh. And they ended up drafting me in the fifth. Um, which was which when, was pretty cool. When he talked to you, did he say anything like, "Hey, I see this in you"? This, what what did he see? Did did he say that? You know, it, it was it was very it was pretty much all business. Like you know, he's like, okay. "Well, so look, he already here. had something in his mind." That he was yeah, like, I want you, and then but he didn't like try to inspire you through that. No, because he can just because he's a shot caller and he can just make decisions. Got it. Yeah. I'd suppose, I suppose, I mean, he get, he did give me the scenario of like, if I can't play for, you know, two years plus, like, and they don't draft me, like he still thought New England would be the best situation for me. They look at me as, you know, different than just a normal special teams player because of my background at the academy and all that. Nice. Um, you know, this it, is it, a 23 year uh, tenured coach for the New England Patriots calling this shot yeah. um, so that probably helps you build a little bit of trust there you know I, I would think yeah um, certainly you know when you have a guy come in and he's you know just come off the Super Bowl win and is already thought of as like one of the greats here he is telling you you know that and he has a personal affinity for the Naval Academy so he sees me yeah. um you know, as a player, but I think he, he, 
saw it as an opportunity to get a Navy guy in and, and, you know, but I don't think he really could have foreseen, you know, the, the career, um, progression since, um, just, yeah. it's, it's obviously it's you, you had a lot to do with that. Right. But, um, he definitely, you know, in my perspective, probably definitely saw something in you. Maybe didn't say it. Um, there, there's a trust factor there. You took it and then look how it's played out so far. I just think that's a good story. So, yeah. Uh, part of, well, part of my fun of this is trying to tell better stories. And, um, for me, outsider looking in not knowing anything about it that's what it seems like to me sure and i mean and and in that role like if i'm when you think about the draft capital of the fifth round draft pick and it's not something you really understand when you're in it i think it's kind of one of those things you can say i was wanted at this level and like sure there are plenty of guys who are drafting the fifth round that don't pan out in the league but um when you take it seriously and you say like, all right, they invested in me. How do I deliver? Ultimately, initially it was just be on the field and do my job. Uh, and that's all that's ever really expected of you. Uh, they, they make things very clear. Um, but when you think about, all right, this is a big position on a big team. They could have just stuck with the guy they had that, they just won a Super Bowl with, um, but they're sitting there and they're they're entrusting me with this duty and and how do I make sure I deliver? How do I how do I show up and and sure and, that's and, the beauty about trust when you get empowered with trust it's just like there's a lot of ownership in that right like what you're talking about so yeah that's a good story no doubt um, you know and I look at that at that rookie year when I don't even think they understood what they got themselves into because, you know, for the Navy giving me a job that's TAD at naps, um, you know, that's like, all right, this guy's in a six month holding pattern for the new England Patriots to say one of their rookies has an outside, um, requirement or an outside responsibility that isn't, just day-to-day life 100 percent committed yeah yeah it was a big deal and they were sure you know they they wanted they had their standard and expectation and it couldn't bend to you know a, a an exception you know, an exception absolutely you know as any yeah. as any high performing organization would like why would you bend um so that uh, that that mentality it was really rigid in a way that, you know, they, they're wanting to see me there all the other times that a rookie is there, but you know, it's like, well, who do I, which, which master do I please on this one? The one that, you know, is, is putting me on the field and, um, you know, I'm responsible to a lot of people or the one that if I don't show up, like I'll go to jail. Like that's the, that's, (laughs) that's the difference. Um, or do you you were talking through that? I was, Basically thinking about, you know, the master that, you know, pays the bills versus the master that um, I have to listen to and say yes, sir, to. But when you said go to jail, I was like, oh, that's totally different. Okay, got it. Yeah, the whole UA 411 word thing, like I, I was all good on uh, not not doing that. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> when the Navy was more than accommodating, you know, I look at it. 
uh, in that in that year. Like you know, the NFL week starts on on Wednesday, um, so basically my my week would look like you know Monday through Wednesday I would be full time Navy. Um, I'd, I'd stand CDO and have that whole uh, you know twenty four hour shift thing. And so like a odd jobs type of thing. Or was it like a committed, like, role with people, like, just staying on duty, or were you responsible to like do fit reps and all that other stuff that that comes with the navy? Um, yeah, so more so um, in that in that TAD, just hey, odd jobs, standing standing watch, standing duty, got it, um, and and um, helping out with you know whatever while I was there. Um, you know, and they 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 certainly find ways to pile on stuff. Um, so, yep. I uh, you know, you'd stand that watch twenty four hours and plenty of nights when you're dealing with eighteen and nineteen year olds. They're gonna mess up and they're gonna keep you up. Um, I mean, I remember one time they brought a skunk in the building, um, so I had to deal with that. Like I remember another time, like I got a call that three in the morning and they're like, Hey, sir, like we're broken down outside of URI. You know, it's like two, two of the Michigan candidates. And I'm like, look, fellas, like, here's what's going to happen. Like, you're going to, you're going to get back here in an hour. Um, and you're going to check in, you're going to check in with me. Um, and you're going to go to bed or you're not going to get back here. And we're going to have to do a whole lot of paperwork and we're going to route this all the way up and I'm not going to have a choice. You know, yeah. an hour later, knock on my door, um, and I Good just thought you know, process. Yeah, when just, your back's up against the wall, you'll figure out a solution. Exactly. Boom. Shame so, well. um, plenty of plenty of stuff, but mind you, like all this is happening on Tuesday night. Wednesday, I'm showing up to practice, um, and uh, you know, basically, like I'd show up right before practice. Everybody had already gone through the game planning meetings. I was responsible for all that on my own um yeah. and, and you know it instills that study habit and instilled some kind of preparation where it's like look everybody in that building was was ill prepared when it came to comparing yourself to to tom brady or um you know julian edelman or the coach that was demanding it of you um everybody was ill prepared so i didn't i didn't feel that different because hey like i just come from work i looked at all my stuff I came to practice ready to go. And, um, yeah, I may have been a little bit more tired than everybody, but, um, uh, that's life. So did, you know, the Wednesday was showed to practice Thursday was be there during the day and then drive down back to naps at night. Um, and, and kind of work the study hour stuff, um, making sure they were doing their job, uh, doing their, doing their, doing the right thing in the building. And then Friday through Sunday, the Navy said, hey, you can have your weekend and go do whatever you want. So Friday through Sunday, I was an NFL player. Um, nice. You know, re- rinse and repeat for 16 weeks. So um, 16 weeks. Are you still doing stuff like that today? Like how does that service, the Navy service continue today? No, thank, thank God I'm not doing that today. I, I, I look back at those days and say like, how did I, how did I survive? Um, now I'm a reservist. I, you know, after that rookie year, um, I reported to my ship and the probably two weeks later, the second half called me and said, Hey, 
we're going to put you in the reserves. You didn't mess it up uh, this past year, so uh, keep keep it up and 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 good luck. Uh, nice. So, what does your uh, commitment to the Navy look like right now? Just one weekend a month, two weeks a year? Or? Yeah, it's it's that that typical reservist. You know, like you said, one week in a one one week in a month, two weeks a year um, for minimum. How long? I'm, I probably am past my minimum service commitment now. Okay. Um, so it's just a, okay. Gotcha. Uh, now I've, but you know, I'm in a billet that, that matters. And, you know, I got, I got people that, uh, people that depend on me. So it's at this point, like now it's, it's, it's a feel good job. Like I, I, I know my role, um, in the reserves and it's, it's a, it's a good thing for me. Um, and I take a lot of pride in it. So, um, now cool pending with that job it's really you know it's more than it's been to be to be honest i you know i'm yeah on calls all the time and you know now in the off season I, it, things kind of ramp up and i do the majority of my stuff here in the off season like i mean here in four days i head over to djibouti and kind of help my my unit kind of get back stateside they've been deployed so helping them logistically get everything back so i'll be Oconus for a little bit, but um, it's it'll be a good uh, trip. Yeah, it'll be a good trip. So things are my Navy time now is typical reservist stuff, um, and and they try not to treat me any differently at work uh, at either job. So it's good. Awesome. So with the New England Patriots, um, how was the Navy football reputation there? You know, we had Echo come through. We had Katani come through there for a split second. And uh, was there any sort of reputation or was it like a, a bad thing, a good thing? Like when you walked in, how did you feel? Walking in the building um, was certainly intimidating, uh, especially I think the level of knowledge on – the Navy as a whole is, is pretty low in, uh, in, in the, in the NFL, uh, you know, despite them having known a few Navy football guys and, uh, having them around, like, to be honest, like the, the majority of my teammates couldn't tell you the difference between a supply officer and a Navy SEAL. Like they, there's, there's no, they, they know I'm in the Navy. Um, and that's pretty much the extent of it. Obviously I bring, you know, as much perspective as I can. But when I think about what happened when I showed up, I was a fifth round draft pick long snapper. Two of the top players on the team, one being Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. Uh, another one being Julian Edelman drafted in the seventh round. I was thrown into a team where I was like, everybody looked at me like this guy was drafted too high. And maybe they didn't look at me that way, but I looked at myself that way. And I said, how do I, how do I prove it to these guys? Um, you know, so I, so I took that upon myself. Um, and, and yeah, but as far as Navy football as a whole, like everybody looked at me and said, everybody knew like, all right, Navy guy, like, you know, coach Belichick loves Navy guys. Like, here we go. You know, he loves, he loves the Naval Academy. It's just got to prove myself. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was, all right, what's the expectation? Um, you know, and how do I fit in, uh, you know, once again, kind of 
that 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 imposter syndrome to the max but uh you know having had you know a lot of staff members had remembered Eckel, um you know and i i i want to say they looked at him as like i want to hear a story about Eckel. the only heard one yeah because he was my tad one of my tad's when i was a nap so okay you know i've heard you know, Academy Echo stories. I got to see it at, at Naps. I want to hear if there was one from the New England Patriots. You know, we don't. It's not a ton. Um, you know, I think his time with the Pats was was decently limited. Um, you know, obviously won Super Bowl with with New Orleans. Um, you know, but the staff members remember him, and one of a like the athletic trainers. They're always the the guys. Everybody, you know. Yeah, it's the have, smoke shack. It's the smoke it's the shack. Smoke shack. Yeah. I think that's where uh, maybe the Academy of Mystique uh, didn't didn't last too long for Kyle because <laughs> um, Jim Whalen, our head athletic trainer, is always just like, "Look, I'm not impressed by you guys. Like, I've met Kyle Eckel, all right. Like, hey, like you're 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 just a uh, you're just another you're just another Eckel, aren't you? And like, like eh, you're still a pretty good football player, so I'll take that as a compliment. Um, but you know, it's nice. it's just one of those funny things where it's like him. And then Eric, you know, as as we all know, Eric, he's the he's the mayor, uh, you know, the mayor of Annapolis, the mayor of Fox. Wherever he goes, he's 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 got the crowd. Um, yep. So, uh, you know, I'm not. That's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, for me, like living up to Eric Katani was tough uh, coming in that building because everybody knew him, his story when he was with the Pats, like. You know, he was getting called on and off ships. Like, you know, he here he was. Like, he was close to playing. You know, I think we all look at. He got called back, right? Yeah. Like he got pulled away from the the NFL profession due to the Navy's decision to make that decision. Yeah. No, and then, you know, I think for him, what he won't, what he doesn't portray and say a lot is that like when he was with us in that year uh he was like the 54th guy like he was the first guy on the field that you know if they called somebody off a practice squad like he would have played you know multiple phases of special teams like he was he was there um you know and and i think when you look at the navy and say like oh what are we getting out of this guy he's up here playing a game you know they want to see him on the field and it's like how does he tell that story where he was right there? Um, yeah. It's just, that's the NFL. Like practice squad is for a lot of people. It's practice squad is practice bodies. But for the, for the New England Patriots, if you're on practice squad, you're preparing to play in the games. So yeah, uh, that's another really good story. I think I'm glad you brought that one up because I don't think Katana gets the, the credit that he probably should get. Right. That's what it sounds like. Um, yeah unfortunately not i mean that's the i I don't know why um but that you when you look at it the logistics of it were that he was he was close to being a guy and and being out there every sunday um so it's a little tough uh tough to look and, and know know that so for me knowing you know here they had this guy that was about to play and he got called away you know i I remember that that was one of the first things that you know first conversations i have with tom 
with Tom was, Hey, what's, what's the deal with your service? Um, you know, our, our, we spent a fifth round, like without saying it, he's like, we spent a fifth round draft pick on you. Are you even going to be able to play? Um, and, and I just remember not even having a great answer because I was a rookie and, you know, Did I you say you're going to have to pay that back. Hey, a fifth, fifth round draft pick is worth this much money. Can you pay for it? Yeah. I had hey, put that on um, the Navy and they said, okay, let, let him go. Like, is that how that worked? Oh man. Like I, <laughs> to be honest, at that point I had no clue. Like I, I mean, yeah. my rookie year, I was like, like you know, doing everything I could just to not raise any attention from the Navy and be like, all right, like I, I'm just doing everything right. Like that was my only goal. So like, I yeah. felt like I had every alum, every name, every sailor, every officer looking, looking at me. That's what I felt like. So, um, yeah, you kind of touched on it earlier. I just thought it's always interesting to me to hear, you know, the, the higher level story of, of this type of stuff. And again, thank you for, for getting on here. Um, cause I get to ask all these questions and kind of dig into it, but, um, really interesting how that worked out. So, um, it's a good thing. I think all the, all, everything that's happened happened for a reason, man. Like this is good. Um, yeah. and, and maybe it paves the way in the future for, you know, better progress. So, um, ready for the next question? Go for it. All right. And, and um, I also pulse checked my, uh, my inner circle, all my classmates, and, and almost unanimously, the guy said, how do you balance uh, work with the NFL and the Navy? Uh, I think you've somewhat answered that question, but want you to give a, you know, give you a chance to say anything more about that. Yeah. Um, I think the, the biggest balancing part for me, uh, I've always been a little bit overzealous on like, all right, I need to do more. Um, I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm never quite doing enough. So I, so I always kind of load myself up with, with more stuff on the military side. Um, certainly more than ever was expected of me. Uh, I think when they put me in the reserves, it's just like, we just want this guy to be a good ambassador for the Navy. Um, yes. you know, if he, if he does so all much his, value in that, so much. Value sure. in that. Yeah. And, and when you look at the dollars and cents of it, which is, you know, when you think high level and you see the bigger strategic plan, they're like, look, we don't care if this guy is a good supply officer. We don't care what he does. Like, we just want to make sure he lo he's, he looks like a sailor when he's out there and he, and he represents the Navy well. Um, you know, so for me, my whole, I, I'm uncomfortable being a spokesperson without having put in work and like put in serious time and effort into what I'm doing. I can't sit here and represent something that I'm not taking part in and being a part of the mission. So, um, for me, balancing has always been this, this uncomfortable, like, all right, I, I need to find a way to do more. I need to find a way to, to, to go overseas, to, to, to get in a job where, you know, I can maximize my impact. Uh, you know, the time, the time constraints and, and all that, you know, that's when it comes to reservists, I'm, I'm able to have a, a large chunk of time 
uh, in the off season that most don't have. Most don't have the luxury of being able to not have a day job for, you know, multiple months, um, you know, and really your only responsibility is to work out that can pretty much check both boxes for me. So, yeah, you know, man, I wish I could do that and be a Joe Rogan. Just, just, just work out, just work podcast. out and podcast. That's what I like doing. Hey, that's, that's <laughs> a good story piece that I got to do to, you know, pay the bills. So, Hey, well, you already started that's doing awesome. it. Yeah. No, that's what it's about. Hey, I'm a, on my way. Right. Exactly. Doing what you love. And this, and for you, it starts back from when you started making those protein shakes, you know, bypassing the Marine Corps thing, right? Um, due to the passion, where you're focused, what you've been working for your whole life, and and where you're at, where you're at today, man. Like that's a huge, super, you know, red threads. I talked about red threads earlier, man. You're on your red threads. Yeah, I you think found it. I think the hard what when you talk about those factors of like doing what you love, uh, you know the crazy thing is is like it's not football for me. It's not necessarily that that uh, it's not going out there and playing and like doing that stuff. And and honestly, like I can say like from a very big point of privilege, like yeah, like me as an NFL player, it isn't the game that I, that I love, what I love is doing something at the highest possible level. Uh, And I've realized that because I've been to the pinnacle I've you know, won Super Bowls, like I've, I've been there. So that's why it does make me uncomfortable when I'm putting on a uniform, you know, for the Navy and I'm not, you know, doing every possible thing at the highest level of the Navy. Like I, it's weird. Yeah. Um, but those things yeah, don't it's a, a very unique situation that you're in with that, right? So you're not practicing every day the Navy, no, um, but that desire doesn't change, and like that's the that's gotcha. and I don't know if that's the if that psychology hit me in the NFL, um, and being in a high performing organization and being around really high performing individuals, but uh, you get to the point where you can't picture yourself doing something if you aren't doing it at the highest possible level. Like, sure. Like we all have our hobbies. Um, you know, we all have stuff we like to do, but I, I, the only hobby that I've ever picked up that I'm okay. Not being great at is golf. I'm like, all right, well I'm okay being bad at this. Um, but everything (laughs) else I do, I'm just, it's this like, uh, and maybe just something that that's been built in me. Um, that I can't probably say is too healthy, but, uh, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you find your way to that top? Got to, are you, are you a club thrower at golf? You start oh yeah. Out. You know, I certainly while I'm on the course, it's frustration, but you know, in the, my, my process is still like, I just want to be bad at this. So I don't get upset at like. I don't get too upset, you know, like I can go out <laughs> Not there to ruin the day, just enough to upset yourself and figure out how to do it better tomorrow. Right. Exactly. I, but that, yes. you know, I remember talking to Billy Hurley, um, you know, years ago and he's like, tell me the story about how he's golfing the masters. You know, he's golfing Augusta. Um, this is like in the week leading up to the masters and 
it's like the perfect day out. You know, everything is like picture perfect. April and you know, Masters Week, all that. And one of the one of the sponsors that like is doing you know this warm up round with him. He's like, "Isn't this just amazing? You get to do this all the time." And Billy like turns to me. He goes, "Look, man, like it's days like this when this almost is enjoyable for me." And I think about that because it's like when you're so in tune and ingrained in this in this in this thing that so many people enjoy, but it's your livelihood and it's your life, and you're at such a high level that you're you know uh, perfectionist isn't the right word but um your expectations are so high that you can't sit back and enjoy it and i think that's my thing with golf it's just like i'd rather be bad at it i'd rather be really bad enjoy a nice day because everything else in my life like my my day job like i can't enjoy unless we're winning super bowls yeah it's like me when i go fishing doesn't matter how how good or bad the day is as long as i get out on the lake oh yeah so Good stuff. All right. So now we're going to get into, I got three money questions. Let's do it. All right. Um, so obviously when I get you on the podcast, I get to like Google you and, and look at stuff. And one of the things that I found was you had a hundred K sign on bonus right after graduation. I'm thinking, well, forget that. Dang career starter loan. Like that's that's chump change. Actually, I'm gonna pay this career starter loan off with this. So how'd that go for you? What'd you do with that? Honestly, I'd I'd put it away. I was like, you know, good for you. As boring as possible. Um but I uh you know, I'd I'd say the one, you know, rookie splurge for me. And I can't say like I went out and bought a cash or anything. It's just like <clears throat> I knew the weather was crap up in Boston, so I bought like a good truck or I like leased it. Um, you know, and that was like my splurge. It was like, all right, the GMC, you know, the the GMC Denali. truck that I know all can it wasn't even a Denali. Like I I wasn't even Oh man, look at you. I wasn't even riding high like that. I was I was <laughs> you know, for me it was like I just wanna literally is like all right i just want to make sure i can get to work every day um so i'm gonna get a truck that'll get me there but um nice. i hadn't i didn't i didn't I, I put a lot of i put that initial cash a, away and just try to just try to save and honestly i didn't even have time to spend it that rookie year so that was probably for the better that i was nice. so busy you're smarter than me um so here, here's another one um uh, your salary info being public, like you can look up and see what you make, right? Um, is that weird for you? Yeah, definitely is. Um, I mean, it's normal amongst my peer group because it's true. All of us have it that way. Um, and it's for a reason, like, you know, it's easy to demonize NFL players when everybody knows their salary or demonize any athlete when everybody knows their salary. Like, you know, if somebody doesn't perform, that you could tie it directly to and and you can tie criticism criticizing them directly back to how much money they make um true and that that has a great run in the media um now what they don't now what aren't public are coaches salaries um you know individual team revenue 
stuff like this that you can you can say like oh this player doesn't want to play you know or for this amount you know they're demanding a bigger contract well it's like well look how much money everybody else is making so there's little things like that um but yeah i don't love it like i'd i'd rather you know everything be be private um us just be like the rest of society where you don't ask about salaries and um you just kind of everybody's got their thing um yeah high level me looking at that i'm thinking man you probably got a lot of like you know demons working there um inadvertently because out of your control um not that it's not rightfully gained like you've worked your entire life for it but i'm thinking man if, if everybody you know knew um everybody's salary like there would probably be problems with that you know like it doesn't matter like so now it's public information and the work that's put in to accomplish that is now um i wouldn't say diminished but like put on this scale that doesn't make sense to everybody's different types of scales yeah you know what i mean so uh, I had to ask that question and second and third order effects of that. Um, anything you want to vent about with that, uh, and, and not in a negative way, but, um, um, yeah, you know, I think there's, I think one thing when you look at how, you know, athletes are portrayed, um, you know, and the statistics are, are, are what they are when you talk about so many guys going broke, you know, after a few years of making, you know, good money. Um, and I think one thing to understand is like the majority of guys in the league, like aren't making the stupid money. Um, and the majority of the guys in the league are on league minimum deals. They're getting cut and released and put on practice squads and, and, you know, they're moving all across the country. Like being on the bottom of that roster like the group of guys that i'm 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 playing with every day on special teams like it's not a stable lifestyle um now it can be if you play well like obviously things can change but um you know when you look at the the like why and how these things happen i think everybody can learn a lesson and say we all have this perspective of you know, when I was a rookie, I, you know, my rookie contract salary was $425,000. You know, I can say, like, I haven't been offered another job outside of football for $425,000. Like, I, you know, it's it's a it's a lot of money. Yeah. You'd but, be a senior vice president of, of some sort of operation. Exactly. That's what you'd be. And, and probably 40 to 50 years old. Exactly. And with that 40 and 50, 40 or 50 year old, that's a senior vice president. You have a lifetime or really like a whole working lifetime of experience. You have a, a steady build in, um, in pay. Then you learn to live, yep. you know, with your means along the way. Um, and then when you throw this kid in, you know, in this situation and the one, there's no, there's no way to protect yourself tax wise or anything like that. We're W2 employees. Like it's everybody knows our salaries. Like there's no, there's no funny money here. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. And you can say like, 
there's there's just got to be a little bit of empathy when you say like all right this four hundred thousand dollars really is two hundred thousand dollars and that two hundred thousand dollars like your ability to to kind of um to save it really depends on one if you've ever been around money before like what your upbringing is like it's little things like that that it's really not a surprise um you know and there's a need for guys to come and help and guys that uh have 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 the right thing in mind because there are plenty of guys that come out out of the woodwork to help quote unquote. And, uh, you know, ultimately it's a lot of people that see these 22 year olds that have a lot of money and they, they ask themselves, how can I, how can I get a little bit of that? So. Yeah. Um, good, good tie into your investment strategy right now with, uh, you know, your venture opportunities and, and all that. So I think, you know, from from our small conversation so far, um, I think your head's on straight. Um, a, another good example of that is Mike Tyson. Um, <laughs> when I when I was thinking of of that, like up quick, lots of money, and um, I've kind of looked at Mike Tyson a little bit lately and listened to some of the stuff that he's been talking about, and he has the same things that he wish he would have thought about and for you being ahead of that is is important yeah. um but at the same time like what makes that happen back to to what your your closest guys talked about with you was your commitment your humility and steadfastness on um you know doing the basics drinking that protein shake um and it sounds like that's what you're continuing to do today. So um, that's awesome. Yeah. Like um, said, that's the uh, that's your price of admission, right? The the basics there, you know, and it's doing the little things, uh, doing the little things well, and then doing it doing it consistently. Yep. Um, let's see okay so super bowl wins super bowl appearances you've been in three yeah i got that right yeah one two of them the first one in overtime um with a, the atlantic falcons in 17 how was that that was your first super bowl win how'd how'd that go yeah um i mean that's what year two for me so rookie year we got to the afc championship lost got into year two and um i mean the team was incredible we went 17 and two overall we lost one game you know when we had our third string quarterback playing we couldn't get anything going offensively and uh we lost another game to the seahawks by about a yard um on like a fourth down stand besides that we won every game i mean we were firing on every cylinder possible and we got to that game and i mean that was the 28 to 3 comeback game uh and when you look at you know as a second year guy there's a lot of pieces there's a lot of really veteran players uh, the toughness on that team to to say like all right we're down 28 to 3 but we're just gonna keep plugging away and keep doing our our job and like saying like they're gonna have to deal with us like they're gonna have to 
they're going to have to, you know, we're not going to give them this game just because the score is like this. Um, and kind of that progression of events of everything going right. Um, you know, when you look at it and on an individual play basis, it was actually like pretty incredible that, uh, you know, guys were able to make the right play at the right time and in, in, in this sequence. But, uh, you know, when you look at our preparation, it makes sense because you go into halftime and it's a long halftime in Super Bowls. Like you make adjustments um, and you kind of have that moment of, all right, we're down big, uh, you know, and you had time to internalize it and say like, well, what can we do about it? You know, what are we just going to lay down or is this going to be this or is this the last game of the season and who cares? We're going to go and put up, you know, as big a fight as, as it can be and see what happens. Um, you know, it was like this, un, it was like unspoken because that team was so good and so veteran. And it was, nobody needed to give some crazy speech. Nobody needed. Yeah, so when you say unspoken, like very quiet during halftime, like, okay, we're all disappointed in ourselves. We're mentally going to correct this. Yeah. Versus like everybody hyping it up and the coaches coming in. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the type of situation. No, it's regroup, get on the same page. Um, you know, talk about the game plan, what what went wrong, what went right. I think when when you're down big, um, you can have that I think your natural the natural thing is to say, like, all right, we're just messing up. We're not doing anything right. But realistically, like in that game, we're, we were doing some things right. We were doing some things okay. The score wasn't reflecting it, but how do you... Sure, yeah, like, all right, let's, let's, let's figure out how to expand on those good things, fix the bad things, and then everybody else just... It was really this internal toughness that everybody had. Like I said, it was just a different level of, all right, like we, we aren't going to go out like this. Um, and it was generally understood that everybody's going to go out there and, and, and give it, you know, a fight. And I mean, to, to win, to win that game, you know, first overtime Super Bowl. uh, I mean, arguably the greatest comeback of all time and, and the greatest Super Bowl of all time, in my opinion, um, it was, it was pretty pretty special and, I, and it was like one of those top of the mountain moments where you're like well what happens now because i was just in this incredible game so like how do i top this how does anything top this um so uh, so no one stood up at halftime and said anything nope interesting yeah that is incredible huh Belichick at his finest. Recruiting the right people on the right team to make the right win. All right. So uh, next year, Super Bowl with the loss to the Eagles. Any takeaways from that one? Yeah. Um, so for me, it's my, my personal struggle, my like, biggest piece of adversity in my life was uh during that game uh second quarter uh we got on a fourth down uh fourth and short uh and 
for a field goal. And I try to get them to jump off sides because, hey, first down would have basically meant we're going we're gonna to score a touchdown. So I'm kind of twitching the ball, you know, doing little things to try to make the defense jump off sides. Uh, as I'm doing that, Holder calls for the ball. I'm not ready to snap it. I just, I, I kind of, I throw a bad snap. It bounced uh, on the way back to the holder, uh, and Steve ended up missing the field goal uh, because of me. So, hey, there's three points on the board that I'm directly responsible for not scoring. Uh, you know, and in that moment, I still had two more quarters to play, but it was this big culmination of like, this is how I've defined my life, being perfect at this one skill and in front of the world. Millions upon millions of people. I failed. Gotcha. That, that was hard. Yeah. That, sounds like you took it. Uh, the good news story out of it is sounds like you took extreme ownership of, on it. Oh, yeah. Um, for sure. Echelon front. Um well, what what else can you do in that moment? You know, you're yeah. not only do you have to say like, all right, I, I failed, I messed up, but I got to go back out there and I got to go back out there in front of 50 million people watching or a hundred million people watching, whatever the numbers are and, and do this again. Like sham. Well, it's how you rebound, right? It, Cause we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes, take ownership, so, rebound. And I mean, to, to, be to be completely blunt like we lose that game um you know ultimately like the score played out how it played out um you know but but i can sit there and say like i blame myself like i blame myself for you know tom brady not having another championship i blame myself for you know my my teammates not having um you know super bowl parade and not getting a and only getting a $50,000 Super Bowl bonus instead of $100,000. Like, I blamed myself. And that tore me up for a whole offseason. Um, you know, what? how do I find the motivation to kind of get past that? I mean, there's there's certainly some some effects that, that, that I can say, like, yeah, like, I, I, I took a lot on my shoulders when I probably, when the real, reality yeah, I mean yeah, reality of the situation is it's a game, dude. Like there's yeah. offense, defense, kickoff, kickoff return, and and you dial it down to this one thing that's that's just bugging you. Uh, but at the same time, one, you took ownership. Two, how am I going to get better? Um, and at the end of the day, like that's what when we talk about high performing teams, if everybody thinks like that, then that's what makes a Super Bowl champ team. Like, not just one year, not just two years out of three, like a consistent basis. And that's what New England does. So, yeah, I, I, that's a good thing. Yeah. No, I mean, I, me. I, I was, and then obviously that plays into the next, the next year. Um, yeah. You know, over and, the uh, Los Angeles Rams, right? Yeah, second, LA, second LA Rams, uh, you know, this high-powered offense, and then the game boils down to be a, a a game with defense and special teams leading the way. I mean, I say it all the time, like our, our punter probably should have been the MVP of that game. Um, 
So it was pretty special to be a part of it with him. Uh, but for, for me personally, uh, one, it's, I look back and I can say like how fortunate I was to have a chance to rebound, to have a chance to go to another Super Bowl, to have a chance yes. to like, to, to go perform at that level, um, to deal with that fear and anxiety of like, Oh, I'm doing this again. Like I, I'm not just going out there and playing, I'm playing in front of, you know, the hundred million people that watched me fail last year. Like they're all watching me again, you know, which is totally irrational. Like most people could care less about the long snapper, but in a game where it's relevant and in a game where special teams is taking the forefront and we're so involved to go out and play well, like that's a major moment in my life, a major milestone. I mean, even coming down to, you know, with a minute left, we kick a, 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 a field goal to go up, uh, you know, 13 to three, basically put the game out of reach. So for me, game for me to go out there, you don't know, feel all this emotion while I'm running on the field to, to take that snap. Everything goes well. Um, you know, I'm blocking Aaron Donald and Indomitian Sue, but I couldn't even care less. I'm like, whatever. I just did. I did this thing that had plagued me. <laughs> yes. I compartmentalized. I had tried to yeah. work through every energize. Oh right? yeah. And that's red threads, dude. You work through everything you can, man. I, I, you know, I, I, I leaned on every leadership lesson and every, everything you could lean on that we've been trained. Uh, and all I could, all I could do was hope for another opportunity as scary as that is. Uh, and I, I was fortunate enough that I had it uh, and that I got it. So uh, got it. Super Bowls are a different experience, man. Like I said, there's what's my point? I will never experience that, but I'm glad you shared your story today. I think, uh, uh, the fun of the first win, you know, the complication of the second win, which you totally owned and like that, you know, for me, when I hear a story like this, I think that's an awesome story. That's like a hero's journey, you know? You read about heroes' journeys in books, and and, and then overcoming that adversity. That's a great story. And looking back on it in 10, 20 years, you're gonna be like, I learned so much from that event that uh, it'll carry on to whatever you're doing in in those ten to twenty years. So that's cool. Yeah. Um. Next question. Uh. How is life without Tom Brady? Um, you know, I've been happy to see him him go and and flourish and 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 thrive and win. Um, but th that guy is is different. He's a different different human being. Um, you know, and I and it's obviously an understatement to say he's the best and all that. Like he's everybody knows this. Everybody. You know, in, in countries where There's they no doubt. care less about football, they know Tom Brady is football. And yeah, how old was he when he I, left? He Patriots? played twenty years like, in New England when he left. That's uh, crazy. And and one, I mean that in itself to play like here I am going into year nine. Playing in New England is 
you know, when you talk about it around the league, like it's not an easy place to play. It's not an easy place, you know, expectation-wise, weather-wise, whatever it is, it's not easy. Yeah, Bill Belichick. And maybe football. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And and the best thing about that is hearing all this the Steve Belichick stories, his his dad at Navy. I mean, you talk to some of the older brotherhood guys and they'll tell you Steve was ten times as nasty as Bill. I believe mm. it. Um, worse than PJ, you think? Well, you I didn't have get to I, experience. Yeah, I didn't have Paul, but everything I hear, he was he was a he was harder. Um, so, I uh, <laughs> well, he definitely probably passed that off to to Bill, which is what's made New England the uh, um, tradition type of program that it is. That he stayed there for twenty three years so far. So. Yeah, but but Tom. Uh, as a player, as a person, I mean, he's he's as elite as they come. I mean, I can't even uh, as just a, a dude that is willing to kind of go out there, despite being a world superstar. He's willing to go out there and, and run every rep and and do the hard every things day. every yep. day. Um, and then you see him when he comes off the field; it's immediately to go get treatment. Um, he's only eating like the most healthy things like it's a total commitment to mission and winning like no like there's only very few people in the world like that and i i i was fortunate enough to be around for five years and uh, awesome uh you have his uh phone number i did he did he probably changed it by now i think he's had to change uh, it he probably had a old long snapper texting him too much or something <laughs> You should send him this podcast. Let it blow up. Yeah, that's a, we'll we'll have to. I mean, he's he owes me one, right? <laughs> now, big big Tom Brady fan here, and um, you know, always appreciated his uh, passion for the game and and his crazy crazy study habits for uh, to win um, exemplary winner for sure. Um. So tell me more about um, Bill Belichick's leadership style. Yeah. Um, so being in, being in that building and being around coach and being around Tom was something that was important to me uh, so that I could continue to develop as a leader because, hey, we, we look at this stuff, we study it, and I was in a – a, a leadership laboratory there and, and saying how how's this done how's how's the juice made here i'd say there's a lot of like unglamorous come prepared uh come prepared I like do it. the little things be attentive uh i mean we have our like sign on the door that that i'm sure you could find if you google uh but you know it's it's keeping things internal um it's it's making and not making a bigger spectacle out of a sport that is a big spectacle it's boiling it down to really kind of the fundamentals and saying like yeah football in the nfl is a is a big money-making endeavor it's you know got commercial revenue and that's what these organizations are dependent on but all we are dependent on within this building is winning and that and that story spoke to the group of uh, of guys that were there, 
Avoiding and the distractions. You avoid distractions. You 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 have that singular focus on mission when you're in the building, when you're out of the building, and you find a way to to keep that priority there. Um, and I think when you looked at developing a core group of players uh, and you develop them to have that set of, of of guidelines of kind of core commitments whatever however you want to you know whether it's like a code or this unspoken thing like you develop guys to have that that common that common goal that and and build and let them build up other players around them and uh yes it was very very i don't know if it was purposeful it was just very obviously it was very purposeful the guys we kept uh, because they could have such a great impact on others and building culture because we never had the most talented group of individuals, but we always had extremely like we had these hardworking guys that were tough and, and would get the job done. And would it be the most glamorous? Would it, you know, would it sell the most tickets in the way we did it? Like, I mean, most of those games we, we won for all those years were like 27 to 17. Like it was not glamorous at all. You know, and that's, I think that's a good encapsulation of, of the leadership style when you say, how do we, how do we shape this team to get the mission accomplished each and every time? Yes. That's really good. Um, the message that I was looking for is exactly what you were going to say with, uh, Bill Belichick's leadership style. Um, and in his roots back to his dad, like that's just really interesting. Yeah. Um, well, because I mean, it works. If you're a if you're a student of this game, you understand where football comes from, and you understand what it what the overall goals are of the game. You say like, all right, we're moving, we're moving a ball against an opposing force, gaining ground you know, and then stopping their advances. And I mean, it boils down to this very simple concept that, that you look at why football is invented and say, it was like, Oh, it's to harden men, uh, for, you know, potential conflict. And it's a game that mirrors conflict. You know, when you say, how do you develop good, good leaders? And, you know, for us that went to the service academies, how do you develop combat leaders? Like, probably want a couple guys who, who understand, you know, football and you, who, who can kind of bring over that toughness. Uh, and I think what coach took from that with his dad being there for so long, is that like you're, de- you want to develop that sense of mission within guys and have a higher call. Now, how do you do that when it's all big business and everybody's trying to make millions of dollars? It's like, well, you probably just don't have a few of those guys around. And maybe you got to do it with a, with other dudes that are well. Yeah. Now, um, it's not just football. It's not just NFL. 
not saying I know the NFL, but from what you're talking about, like that's basic business. That's basic teamwork, basic, you know, if you're trying to, you know, have a really good team, all those principles apply in so many different ways. There's so many different leadership books that write about the same exact thing. They write it about different perspectives, different situations, but it all comes back down to that. And uh, another reason why he's been there for 23 years and won so many dang Super Bowls. Um, that's pretty awesome. All right. Uh, what is the hardest lesson that NFL has taught you? Um, I think the, you know, I had my personal struggle of like, all right, adversity, getting through it, all that, but that's not, I'd say that's probably not the, the hardest lesson. I'd say the hardest lesson is when you step into the business of the game. And that's when you realize that you are an asset and a commodity and and that's really your role like they're looking at you and saying how much value can you bring us and you know that's your play on the field that's you off the field but really we're gonna find a monetary value for that and we're gonna try to get you at the cheapest level possible and when you when you are focused on that aspect of like, all right, this is a business. Like I got to make sure I'm taking care of myself, taking care of my family, all this stuff. You lose sight of, of what those core things to football are. And that's what was a, a tough lesson for me saying, all right, the NFL is a big business, but like, I didn't want to lose that. Like, I didn't want to lose that. Like I, I want these dudes around me to be my brothers and for us to go accomplish a hard mission and for it to be that myopic focus on on that mission um because you then you realize it's like all right well everybody's got a different goal uh, so that's that's a pretty hard lesson the nfl's taught me it's not everything is just for 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 the mission and for the guys yeah it's a business for sure um what financial advice would you give to yourself one to two years into the NFL that now today that you're realizing like, maybe I should have been better at this. Um, I think I mean, for any advice to like for the guy that's just starting the NFL, would I just say, save your money. And I did. Um, the next one is like, you have to get smart on stuff. I mean, that's, I'd, I'd say that's outside of every, uh, that's within every, everything you do. Um, but just staying up to date on, on current events, reading news, all those things play such a large factor in, in what we're doing and like in, in the markets and stuff like that, that if you're saving, like, all right, you're probably doing okay. Um, you're going to be doing better than most people. I, I'm, I'm not regretful of 
financial decisions and like yeah i could say like oh if i started real estate investing i could have all these doors and this and that it's like the end of the day like i i'm i'm okay not being you know in that situation i'm gonna i i'd say just i wish i would have i wish i would have really just read more read more about what was going on in the world um because that that's what can shape financial and economic decisions more than anything just staying up to date with current events gotcha all right um you may have touched on it so far but what's your price of admission price of admission honestly it's just it's doing hard things and i found that in my life struggle is the best thing you can possibly have you know it is the it is the one common denominator of almost every of of every great person every great experience before anything good happens you're gonna struggle um and and you're gonna have to say i'm gonna do do some hard shit to get there and you know i wish that i had taken on that mindset uh, because i don't know if it really clicked for me until uh i was in the nfl just to say i want to do more hard shit i want to continue to do it um because if i the only way we're going to get to go win another super bowl is if we all come together and we all do something difficult um you know and and we all have our goal and our eyes set on that uh you know i look at where i came from you know this attitude of just hey it's it's you know, it's a blue collar area where everybody goes to work, works hard, comes home and just wants to relax. You know, my dad wanted for me, you know, to go to the Naval Academy, but to, to learn, you know, and to, to make sure I had, you know, a steady occupation and job when I came out of school, you know, and for me, that was like, all right, I don't know what I want to do in the military. Like I wanted to fly and then I couldn't do that. And then I was like, well, what can get me a job long-term? I wish like my mindset was just in that zone of just like, let me go do some hard stuff. Let me just keep doing it and, and find the hardest thing possible and just keep trying for that. Um, and, and I know that shaped my life now and in my, you know, this kind of post, uh, post Super Bowl uh, NFL era, because I think in that, in that it, those initial years, yeah, I just was head down doing everything I could to fit in on that team. But I look back and I said, that was, that was tough. That was hard in itself, just fitting in with those group of guys. And, and, uh, yeah, the price of admission there was steep because you had to live up to everybody around you uh, and fit in on a team of, of superstars that were super people and super tough. But, yeah, my price of admission now is just to, to keep doing the hard things um, and, and keep doing them well because that's the only way we're going to accomplish anything great. Awesome. Uh, if you had to say you got fired tomorrow, got forced out, hey, you know, we don't like your snap now, um, what would you do after that? What would you pursue? It's an interesting, 
interesting question. I did just sign this four year extension. I signed like long term, so I totally put that out of mind out of mind. You know, there was this I saw that, but I have to ask I have to ask the question. Yeah. Um because you never know, because that's the story of the NFL, right? Yeah. You break yeah. your ankle tomorrow. You know, and I think that was in that in that mindset, it's like, all right, well, let's find that next challenge. Let's find that hard thing to do. Um, you know, whether it be throwing the uniform back on and and pursuing some stuff in the Navy, uh, or you know, shifting gears. You know, going going back and proving myself a little bit academically because I kind of struggled at that in school and didn't didn't put it as a priority. But going back and saying, "All right, I'm going to do better at this and and show that I can to myself," that was kind of a a loose plan. Um, you know, threw around some some academic ideas, uh, but you know, I I whatever I do, you know shifting back into normal life i know at this point in my life like i would need to have a full shift because i'm just too young to sit there and say like all right i can rest on my laurels of of what i've done and the experiences i've had as a football player and i'd want to redefine myself in one way shape or form and redefining myself at this point you know with eight years of experience and stuff like that you got to do something you got to fully shift you got to do something difficult to to find a new footing and um yeah so bad way of saying that i don't know i'm not ready to grow up yet Um, that's okay none of us are so that's okay i I just wanted to ask and and see where your head's at and uh i I think you're probably on the right track with that just in case um because the the basics right they'll end up working in your favor so uh you married got a serious girlfriend it's going well serious girlfriend what's her name lily lily well tell lily that uh we appreciate your time tonight and uh thank you for getting on the podcast uh really awesome episode um we're we're at the two hour mark so that's awesome um really good conversation awesome Uh, I've learned a few things tonight um, and I'm appreciative of your time and her patience through whatever you're doing, because through whatever you're doing, she's backing you up. She's, she's moving you, uh, which is important. And I like to call that out on the end of these because um, no one really sees that in in what we do. So, well, I appreciate it, Tony. Um, it's a uh, it's a privilege to to come and talk to this audience and know that the people that are are listening to this and then have called me out to make sure I come on this or and have taken the time <laughs> to throw out some stories and some memories. They're they're incredible people and uh, you know I I just I I just want to say like for all these dudes that are you know out there you know and I know they're raising good kids and doing the hardest job possible there and then making sure they're, you know, all, all their kids are the next great Navy football players, um, you know, or, or and preparing for that. Um, you know, I just, I look back and I can say like 
these are the dudes that are that I'd want creating that next generation of leaders and and saying like we we went through this together um whether we were you know the same year or years apart but the dudes that were in that locker room that believed in that navy football brotherhood and continue to do it like there's some pretty incredible people and i just want to make sure we're still we're still staying in it we're still we're still doing the hard things um in one way shape or form and i i appreciate them taking the time awesome good talk man appreciate it bro have a good night will do